It is 8.08. Here's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Bruins will not participate in the playoffs for the second straight season. They were handed a spot by the Red Wings when Detroit lost to the Rangers yesterday afternoon, but the Bees handed it right back by getting crushed 6-1 to in their regular season finale. Detroit will now play Tampa in the first round. The Flyers, meanwhile, beat the Penguins, take the second wild card spot. They'll face the Capitals in a series the Bruins definitely would have lost. Uh, the Red Sox will go for a sweep of the Blue Jays today. First pitch is at 107 right here on WEI. Some sad news in the football world. Former Saints uh, defensive end slash linebacker Will Smith uh, was murdered last night. Weather brought to you by Manchester Boston Regional Airport. 33 degrees. Windy with a high of 49 today. Sunday skate continues next. The second of three hours. I'm DJ Bean. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Lace him up. Because it's time for the Sunday Skate. This is the Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. A comprehensive look at the bees from deep inside the organization to the ice and beyond. Brought to you by your Boston area Mercedes-Benz dealers, AT&T, Wise Snacks, and Star Market. Now, let's get it going with ESPN's Joe McDonald, Pete Blackburn, and WEI.com's DJ Bean. No time for complaints about the order of the names in the intro. We just we need to get to Venom. We need to get to takes. We need to get to calls. 617-779-7937. You are pissed and we want to hear from you. Uh, give us a call. Pete, what's good? You had a question you wanted to ask the world. Yeah. Is anybody on this team better or better off than they were at the beginning of the season? That is a great question. And it's... You got to play your been writing that all year, bud, uh, card <laughs> today. I'm going to throw that down right now because the Bruins' plan was to rebuild kind of on the fly, get these young guys, implement these young guys, and also make the playoffs and say they were a better team than last year. And as you can read on WEI.com, guess how many of those things they did? Zero. I will tell you uh, the one uh, – People were better off to, than they were at the start of the season. Okay, so there's an obvious one we've discussed on this show. Kevin Miller had a good second half of the season. It could be argued that he did not have a good first half of the season. Uh, Ryan Spooner as a whole, um, he was hurt second half of the season. Also just wasn't good second half of the season. But he had such a promising start in such a promising first half. Uh, I'd have to look up how many points he finished with. But he went above and beyond what was expected of him. So I would say that he's better off now than he was at the start of the season. Uh, does the list end there? Frank Fatrano, you're happy that he is developing. Uh, but as a whole, I mean, how far did Colin Miller come? Not too far. How far did Zach Trotman, Joe Morrow come? I mean, I look to the defense when you ask that question. Exactly. And it's bad that a 28-year-old guy is the only answer, is the only yes, right? When you I have Tory Krug, you could possibly Krug, put Krug on the had list a, too. So Krug had a good season. Yes, uh, the, the the goal numbers are bad, obviously. But, but I don't think anybody really better. improved to the point where you're at, in a better position than you were at the beginning of the year. Like totally you're not agree. in a better position to move forward. Right. So that's the thing. This year was a wasted year of whatever it was. And they're now, in the same position as they were right, at the beginning it, of the year. Exactly. And now the solution to getting out of it is having a season where you try to implement some good young players and try to make a push for the playoffs. Sounds familiar. So, yeah. From a a development standpoint, when you talk about those young guys, the guys who did come up from Providence, who made contributions, at least significant contributions in my mind, were the forwards, as you mentioned. Yes. Petrano, 
uh, Nolachari. But you had def- you had forwards who you thought were going to be good, young forwards, youngish forwards, get a lot worse. Jimmy ba- Jimmy Hayes is a buyout candidate in my mind. Yeah, twenty six years old. And those and the guys that you Brent mentioned, Brett Conley, like might be maybe sniff you later time. And the guys that you mentioned, like they weren't they weren't with the team like at the beginning of the year. They weren't expected to be on this team. So like because those guys were because the guys that were there because they fell off. Right. Exactly. All right, let's get back to the calls. Uh, who's been waiting the longest? Uh, Jimmy and Chelsea, how are you, my friend? Hey, guys, how you doing? What's up, Jimmy? Hey, listen, uh, of all the things that c- could uh, go on with this team, um, let me tell you something. I missed most of the first hour. I was curious what your comments about Tuka Rask was, because yesterday I was out of circulation. I didn't see the game. And when I saw the result, I said, well, it's fitting and appropriate based on what, you know, occurred on the year. But when I found out Tuka Rask uh, opted out of the game, I was beside myself because, man, it's like deja vu all over again. Well, Jimmy, yeah. he didn't he didn't opt out of I the game. I wouldn't call it opting he, out. He didn't opt out of the game. He was, uh, from I what I was told, he was really... Tomorrow was uh, yesterday wasn't an optional. Like he yeah. didn't he didn't take the option. Yeah, it wasn't. You know whether he was sick or whether they're saying that he was sick. Whether he was sick or there was an injury, whatever it was, there was absolutely no way that he could have played yesterday. Listen, this guy, this guy begged out of the biggest game of his country in Sochi, just like this game out of the blue. What do you call it? He he, he doesn't even give it a shot. If he if he went out. And, you, and, and after five minutes of the game, said, "Oh man, I just, he I'm gave it a shot. He gave it a he shot yesterday. He went out for warmups, and there was I use the word uh, unenergized. I mean, he walked out, if that's what you want to call it, went to his spot on the ice, sat there on one knee or kneeled on one knee, did not move for a good two to three minutes, then leaned on the boards for another five minutes, then took about three shots that the puck hit him." And then he skated those were, off the yeah, ice. Th- those were the. I mean, you had the the gif of it, Pete, which which was good. Mm. The, he was just basically standing there and letting pucks hit him. But they were cupcakes. like lazily flinging. And believe me, Jimmy, I'm I'm with you because my original thought was, wow, how how can Tuka Rask not be in this game? Because as we mentioned, I think in the first hour that you said that you had missed, I had I had asked. Players, you know, guy like David Krejci after the game, you know, hockey players are known for playing through injuries, you know, playing through sickness. Like, what's going on? And Krejci's response was, he looked at me, almost wanted to probably hit me when when I asked him, but it was like, look, it's Tuka Rass that we're talking about here. If he could have played the game, he would have. It was something that he could not overcome. That's why he wasn't out there. I, I mean, listen, I, I'm not doubting the guy was sick or not. I'm just, I'm just doubting his. I'm just doubting him. Because, like I said, he pulled this before in, in Sochi in the Olympics. And, like I said, I, I don't I understand why he couldn't, couldn't at least try. I mean, I, did he go to the hospital? I mean, I want to know uh, journalistically. I want to find out the, the series of events. Did he go to the hospital after the game or during the game? They were, the game? They were working, They were working on him prior to the game. They were trying everything that they could to get him on the ice. And it just got to a point where they had to make a decision, and that decision was Gustafson. So where, where, where did he go during the game? Oh, they have they have facilities at the Garden that you know if yeah you know, they can hook him up to IVs, you know anything that they need they have at the Garden. I'm so, I'm sorry. I know this guy gets a pass. This guy this guy gets a, a total pass, and he gets and he gets these accolades. That I don't know where they come from. Where they're certainly not earned. But once again. 
Yesterday's loss was not on, was not on goaltending. So 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 now I'm going to be the, the the guardian of the gate here. Like, what's this pass that he gets that that and, and, and accolades that he gets that's not earned? This guy this guy gets the the kid glove treatment. And he hasn't done a darn thing. He hasn't done a darn thing. Yeah, he's yeah he has, he has some decent stats and stuff. But all I know is aside from that play. and how he's played, he hasn't yeah, really done anything. They've, they've won nothing with him. They've won nothing with him. So. Jimmy, I, I appreciate you heavy, but that's such dangerous territory with the he's won nothing. You know how many great players win nothing? It's team team accomplishments are the team. Like his save percentage is always good. This wasn't a, a he's, getting paid, he's getting paid he's getting paid a certain salary and he hasn't he hasn't reached that level, okay? Now this, I'm saying is he, he's shown he's shown that the, when the when the, the the spotlight gets the brightest, he has he has the dimmest. Okay, he, he begged that. How was the spotlight in the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals? So, and I, I thank you for the call, Jimmy. But this is how I end up looking like a Bruins apologist. This is how I end up looking like a Claude and a, a Rask apologist. When people when the take is. Tuka Rask hasn't done anything in his career. He hasn't accomplished anything in his career. He hasn't done anything in big games. Tuka Rask allowed two goals over four games against the Pittsburgh Penguin, Penguins offense in the Eastern Conference Finals. That is the second biggest stage on which he and could you, possibly and you know, play. And you know what people will reply to that with? Yeah. It was the defense. It was the defense. But and you, then but they're going to say— now the defense stinks, right. and everybody wants to blame Rask. Right. No, there are certain players that are— Built, all right. The two comparisons that we can make here: Tuka Rask obviously is is a good goaltender. Yes, he is a better goaltender when the team around him is better. Right. Okay. So is every other goaltender in the yes, world. Yes. This is okay. not. This is no, not, not necessarily. To not necessarily. Okay. When you look at Carey Price, is seriously the only guy in the league who can carry a team by do himself, it all by himself, where a team can game plan for. All right. The goal is to be in our own zone as much as possible, and then once we get the puck, we're gone. Corey Crawford, you've mentioned before. How, how, say, how do you describe him? I love this. How Did do you... you just compare <laughs> Corey Crawford to Ringo Starr? <laughs> great, great. Comment. Now you know. I think that my my uh, my Doc Emmerich is like too similar to my Paul Harvey. Yeah, I was gonna say that's yeah. But okay, so Corey Crawford, he's built to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yes. Put him on any other team. Put him on the Bruins. How do you think he fares playing on the Bruins? Quite a lot worse. So similar to the way Tuca has played? Tuca's a better goal. You're not going to convince me that Corey Crawford well, I'm not and Tuka Rask are on the same level. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you're saying his numbers would drop off from where they are in, in Chicago, yes, right? I think so. Oh, yeah, obviously. You take any of these guys. Take Braden Holpe, put him on this team, it's going to be worse. Which, by the way, if they had played the Capitals in the first round, uh, I th- who is it? Five uh, games? I think uh, it may have been Conroy. Um, would this have been the first time that the Bruins played a team in the first round where the matchups were completely the other team? Goaltending, offense, offense defense. defense. They would have gotten crushed. Uh, Tony in Chicopee, I really appreciate you waiting, man. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? What's up, Tony? Nothing much. Um, just to piggyback off the last caller, if this guy's really complaining about Tuka being sick as a dog and not playing the biggest game of the year, there's not much to say. I'm shaking my head on that one. Uh, but I digress. Uh, my point was I wanted to talk about the development of some of the guys, and I know you touched on it a little bit earlier from uh, from Providence. Um, you know, I don't like to use AHL stats 
you know, because they don't always transfer, uh, transfer over to the NHL. But you got to be, you know, pleased with, you know, Vetrano's development, especially the second half of the year. It seemed like he was finding his uh, defensive game a little bit more. Obviously, it's not all there, and he's still just, you know, this kid with a wicked shot. Um, Achari, I thought, was really good in, in coming up and – um, you know, he was a serv- definitely a serviceable guy on, on that fourth line and, um, you know, was willing to grind, and, and I hope he gets another extended look next year. And the one guy I really wanted to touch on, um, you know, being out in Western Mass, I go to a lot of minor league games, so I catch the P Bruins a lot, and that's uh, Austin Zarnick, who Ooh. really seemed to have a great second half down there. I mean, I was just reading a stat that the P Bruins had the second, fourth, and seventh highest scores in the American League. Uh, Zarnick finishing seventh as of right now, and um, I was wondering if you guys think that's the kid who's going to get a look next year and, and really get a chance to shine up here, maybe. Well, I think I mean depending on where you're playing him. So if you're going to play Zarnick as a uh, right wing, and I thank you for the call, Tony. Um, Good then stuff, Tony. At, at this point. In your mind, does Zarnik get more of a look than Seth Griffith? I think he does. I think he definitely gets. Yeah. And, the, and the one thing that, and we've talked about it on the show plenty of times, and, and you see this, can't even call it a trend anymore because this is the way teams win, is that the teams that win, especially the last couple of years, Chicago, L.A., even Boston back in 11. They develop and they turn them over, baby. And they have four lines. Right. And, you, and they need, the, the Bruins need a productive fourth line. And you're looking at a guy like, Vetrano, Achari, Zarnik. It's like I loved Vetrano. I loved uh, Vetrano, Achari, Ferraro. We only saw it for Ferraro, for two yep. games, but that is a that's a that's a really good line. line. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, they're trying to to develop that third fourth line kind of chemistry, and these are the types of players that they're in. Excuse me, they're in house, and they have that ability to do that. So yeah, I think that we see. I think we see a lot more of those guys. Moving forward. And on the point of uh, Zarnik, if you're going to play him at right wing, um, it opens up the Louis Erickson conversation because they need right wings. They're going to be fine at left wing. They're going to be overflowing with left wings, especially if they get uh, VZ. Um, but they're right not going to w- get VZ. You don't think they're going to get VZ? No, I don't think he signs in Boston. Wow, that'll be an. Int- uh, we're going to stick with these calls, but we're definitely going to touch on that later. <laughs> um, would be dumb of VZ to come here. I'll give you that. But uh, who's who's been waiting the longest? Chris in Plainville. What a I love these calls. Hey guys, uh, most goalies can be as good as the team in front of them, but uh, the ones that can pick the team up and carry them along when they need it is the type of goalie that uh, Tuca struggled to be this year. So I don't th- I don't think that I think that that Rask and uh, Rask did not have his best year, and that's where again I, I want to be able to criticize these guys without going to the point of saying. Rask is the problem. Um, did did Rask um, pull a Carey Price and say, you guys don't have to do anything in front of me and I'll get you to the playoffs? No. And again, that's where you get into the discussion of, is it worth it to pay a goaltender $7 million a year? But it's Rask, I, th- I think that, that Rask and Julian are reasons why they were in the discussion as long as they were. I couldn't agree more. I think Julian, absolutely, you're not going to find a better coach. I totally am against getting rid of him. I know that's against what most people say. I know you guys are. Most people are dumb dumbs. But um, he's an awesome coach, and I think you will never find a better coach out there right now. But as far as Rask is concerned, your eyeball test. Timmy was not nearly technically nearly as good as Rask. Rask is a far superior goaltender, but Timmy had it. 
and but, Rask doesn't. But again, then you have to get to the and I mean Tim Thomas had the best season of a goaltender I'd ever seen until Carey Price did what he did last year. So I'm not. I mean I I haven't really done the full breakdown of career wise who's better between the two of them. I, the highs of Tim Thomas obviously far exceed the highs of Tuka Rask, but Tim Thomas had a first pairing of Zdeno Chara and Dennis Seidenberg when both of those guys were really good playing in front of him. And the second pairing was Johnny Boychuk and Andrew Ferens, who everyone laments, oh, you got rid of Boychuk. That guy was on your second pairing in the playoffs. Like, that's how good this defense was. And the other difference between those, and when you talk about Tim Thomas and Tuka Rask, yes, fundamentally sound. Tuka is obviously a much better sound positional goaltender than Tim Thomas. That's why it took Tim Thomas so long to get to the NHL and become a number one goalie. He got passed over time and time again. But the one thing that Tim Thomas has that I think... Sack. Well, (laughs) that's not exactly what I was going to use, but you're right. But here's the thing. That's not the the, the word that we use. We use a different one for that. He has this mentality that... If his team is ahead, there is no way that puck is getting right. in the net. Yes. In Game 7 against Vancouver, oh, as yeah. soon as the Bruins scored, you could just tell Timmy was like, He was giving ah. a double finger under his gloves. Pretty much like, hey, Vancouver, there is no way this puck is going in. And it hey, didn't. Guys, Timmy got, had that mentality. We got way too many stoic Eastern Europeans on this team, in my opinion. That's my take. See you guys. All right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Chris. Um, Chris. I'm a huge fan of like the casual not okay racism that exists <laughs> in hockey that is just totally okay. Like, how often do you hear, like, oh, that team has too many Russians. It's not going to go anywhere. It's like, how is that accepted? All right. Uh, we're going to talk to Andy Brickley next. It's Sunday Skate on WEI. Ooh. I think that's that Andy Brickley music. Unless I'm mistaken. Uh, Sunday Skate. We're taking your venom. We see the calls continuing to come in. Jay and Peter, uh, we promised we'll get to you within minutes. But uh, first, we must talk to uh, the great Andy Brickley of Nesson. And I guess we'll start with Andy uh, with a, a bit of breaking news in the, the hockey world. What are we seeing on the, on the Twitter sphere about Pavel Datsuk? He uh, is going to be leaving the Red Wings after the playoffs. So the Atlantic division just continues to get easier and easier. Yet somehow, Brick, the Bruins couldn't find their way in. Uh, how do you explain what has happened with this Boston Bruins team? I haven't been able to explain the Bruins at all this year. You know, for, for all of us that are around them on a daily basis, uh, get to see them practice, certainly play their games. Uh, to try to figure this team out and wrap your hands or your head around, you know, why they play the way they do when they play well and when they don't. And I could find no consistency, no real thread to to explain why we get what we get against Detroit and why we got what we got yesterday afternoon. Brick, how do you fix it? Um, you need to make a couple of major moves. You've got to address what's going on on the blue line, and that has to be a major move. And you have to adjust the core because they lack leadership. They lack any kind of identity. Uh, they lack physical and mental toughness, and that's got to come from your leadership group. Uh, and I think that's what has to happen. And I know everybody's going to be pointing and focused on the coach, and that's certainly up for debate and arguable. I'm just not a fan of the – of the coaching turnover rate in the National Hockey League. This guy's a quality coach. I think if you give him a better roster, 
uh, he'll reward you with not only playoffs, but you know, a team that could challenge. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Which uh, which member of this core would you would you cut? Well, that's when you got to start looking at contracts, movement, what's allowed, what's not, who's got the you know who's got the clauses that say you know I can only go certain teams. Um, you know, I like a team that has strength down the middle. Yeah, you have to take a look at your number two sentiment, David Krejci. Uh, what is Chara's future in Boston? What is Seidenberg's future in Boston? I think uh, when you start looking at those kinds of players and those kinds of names, you know, now you're into some pretty interesting discussion. Uh, Brick, you mentioned the the Claude thing. I'm wondering, as a a former player, um, and most current and former players that you, you hear talk about this stuff, they always say it's not the coach's job to motivate a team. Uh, when you hear that these issues being thrown on the coach as a player or as a guy who played, are you like? I think we're capable of a little more than that. I think uh, a part of a coach's job is to motivate. You know, you would like to think professional athletes making the kind of money that they make, uh, the fact that they're playing in the best league in the world, and uh, there should be some kind of some kind of pressure to not only maintain your ice time but to maintain your job should be motivation enough. That being said, I still think a real good coach has the ability and you hear that phrase, push the right buttons, but we'll just keep it at the right times to be able to motivate your players to make sure that you're getting the most and the best out of them, whether they're battling injuries, something personal is going on, or just in a slump, and you're trying to get them to find their game. I think that's part of the coaching equation. Uh, but to say, you know, it's the coach's fault that a team comes out flat in a big game, I think that's, that's too simple an explanation. I think we, we can all agree, as a lot of people do, Brick, that Claude should not get fired, that uh, he, he is a, a very good coach, one of the best in the league, and he has been for quite some time. If and when they do make that decision, um, one, how quickly do you think Claude will get a job elsewhere? And two, you know, who do the Bruins bring in to replace him? Well, I think, number one, uh, Claude would be – he would certainly get off his, in, in immediate fashion, whether he would want to step away for a year, which some guys like to do. Uh, it depends on his contract. What, he has one more year uh, on a contract? I think this is one of three. This is, yeah, he has two years left. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and it all depends on what he would want to do if this was the case, if this was the scenario. Um, obviously, speculation would lead you to, you know, Ottawa, Montreal, whatever they decide to do, I think he would be a popular choice in both those places. But sometimes you want to step back. Sometimes you have some physical issues that you want to take care of. Sometimes you just like to, uh, you know, take that breather from the game and recharge and just sit back and collect. Uh, it all depends on what, what closed desires are. But I don't think that's a, a conversation that, that needs to be had right now. I think the bigger conversation is when you take a look at this organization, guys, you know, what wins in the National Hockey League? And where are your priorities when you're trying to put your roster together? And before you even start talking about contracts and money and developing players and what's in the system and, and your roster in general, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in what they believe wins. And do you have what it takes to win? Where do you put values on speed, skill, size, toughness, whether that's physical or mental? How do you construct your defense? Do you want it to be more defenders than they are puck movers? You know, you need that strength in the middle that we mentioned earlier. And then what do you believe wins? And then let's talk about what Boston needs to do in order to improve what they've showed us this year. So my answer to that question, and uh, 
I played the game not at, at, at quite a competitive <laughs> level, so I'm far more interested in your thoughts on this than mine. But my answer to what do you think wins, I would say you build from defense out and you try to be a team that gets the puck up the ice well and stays in the offensive zone for quite a while. Wouldn't everybody like that? Uh, my question then from there becomes, with this group of def- defensemen that, that the Bruins did have, did Claude Julien overachieve with this team by having them in the playoff discussion for the entire season? I don't know if overachieve is the right word. I think he did a good job coaching. Um, and, and I generally, when I answer those types of questions when teams don't make the playoffs, uh, said the same thing last year. I put it more on the players than I do what the coaches do. The coaches give them the opportunity. They they prepare them. They they make sure they're in shape. They give them a game plan. And, and, and the one thing that we saw when the Bruins didn't play well was – there's just not enough intelligence in where the decision-making, and you hear that phrase a lot, too, when mm. they don't win, when they don't play well. You know, it's decision-making, then it's execution. You know, sometimes you just don't have the skill level. They have enough skill level to be a playoff team, and then it's the decision-making of the players, and it's it's almost inexplicable. I mean, he, Adam McQuaid, who is a, who's a good asset for this team, you like that kid, you want him in your 5-6 as far as a defense pair, some of the decisions he made yesterday, I'm just using him as one example, was just beyond belief. You know, a guy that should keep it simple and high percentage plays and be a physical guy and defend and protect the front of the net, you know, he's handing the puck away. Kevin Miller's handing the puck away. You know, they can't make a decision to make a play. Are they overthinking it? Do they have the mental capacity to play in big games when, when they need to play their best? Those are the things that I think need to be addressed more so than, you know, and uh, you know, are they good enough to play? You know, so if 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 you're looking at the blue line, that certainly has to change. It needs to get it needs to get more skilled. Number one, but I think when we started this conversation, you know, how do you how do you fix the Bruins? And and it's going to be two major moves, and that's one area that they need to get uh, much more skilled at is the ability to, to to make decisions and make plays coming out of their own end. Do you think? Uh, do you think there's a an identity crisis with the state of this team? And uh, if so, would you lean more towards blowing it up, uh, quote unquote, blowing it up, or uh, towards getting whatever pieces you think are necessary to make a, a deep run next year? Yeah, I don't believe in blowing it up. I, I, I think there's some pretty good assets on this roster. Uh, I think there are guys that will have better years that will still be Bruins next season. Uh, but, they, again, I, I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, we've watched it all year long. When, when you don't make plays coming out of your own zone, you're not going to win. I was amazed and really impressed what they did against Detroit. And I know Detroit played the night before, and, and Detroit's not a great team, and we've, we've talked all year about the East and how, how vanilla it can be. But they moved the puck. Every defenseman would, would get space and then create a passing lane and deliver a pass. It's just not there on a consistent basis, no matter how you try to coach them up. It just has to be innate to some degree, and you got to see the play and create the play. And, and you can try to teach that all you can, but you got to have the guys that can do it. And, and I think both Don Sweeney and Cam Nearly are well aware of that, and that's the move that, that I'll be waiting to see happens this summer. Do you think they will fire Claude? Wow, I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. In, in break, and we're talking with Andy Brickley, uh, from Nesson uh, and Brick, when you talk about you know coaching, I mean obviously there's a difference between uh, teaching and coaching, and I think at least in my opinion that Claude was almost forced to do a lot more teaching uh, this season. Uh, do you agree with that? And and 
you know, if so, how how does that affect the product on the ice? Absolutely. He had to do more coaching this year than in years past. You know, I mean, I hate to think back to 2011 and how good that team was, but, uh, and you talk about lack of leadership, but, you know, I, I know Chara Bergeron Rask are the leaders of this team, and they're good leaders, but they're more, they're more, you know, I'll show you on the ice what I do and how I play, and that's how I lead. You know, there's no Recky, there's no Ferentz, there's no Thornton, there's no Lucic, there's no Boychuk. You know, where's the personality? Where's the toughness? Where's, where's that? that gang of leaders that you need when things aren't going well. Uh, you know, that, that's the type of team I think everybody in Boston wants to see. You know, that, that competitive team, the team that takes the body every chance it's there. Uh, we talked about a transi- transition season this year where they're trying to get a little faster, more pace to their game, more skill. Well, now you're somewhere in between, and you get what you get. And, uh, and I know that they're trying to develop players, and, and, and they have a vision. It's just that vision needs to be – accelerated and it needs to uh, improve because you cannot go three years without postseason in Boston. Uh, Pete uh, raised this question earlier, Brick, and I, I wrote about it on WEI.com. Uh, do you think there was enough development from all those guys that, that the, the Colin Millers of the world have, have made the, the leaps that you thought, or at least they thought they were going to make? Because, I mean, the way I see it, you go to the traded line and you, go, you trade for veteran wings and defensemen, it's saying to me, maybe we're not too sure of, of what these guys are going to be. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, was there enough? If that's the question, I guess the answer has to be no. Mm. And, and that's that's partly on, you know, the coaching staff, and it's probably on the players themselves. Uh, you know, Spooner developed, but you saw on the big stage and the big games, you know, that he just doesn't have enough compete and enough jam, you know, to the point where you'd like that he's going to win more battles, you know, in a third-line center position. I mean, that was always such an advantage for Boston when they had a strong third Absolutely. line. They used to get a lot of mismatches. Not the case this year. And and, and I'm not so, so much looking at a Patron or a Colin Miller as far as the development. I'm looking more like Connolly and Hayes. I mean, those are yeah. players that really took major steps backwards this year. They needed to be much better than they were. And, and that's where the fault lies. And, and when you think about that depth at the forward position, I mean, that was such a, a, a deep hole for the coaching staff when you didn't really – I mean, they had to go out and get Lee Stepniak at the trade deadline. That should tell you enough right there what was going on with this team. That's where the failure was when you develop – when you look at the develop what you think are established NHL guys to some degree and you don't really get enough production, even close to enough production, or enough good play uh, from those types of players. I think that's ultimately – uh, what was a big part of Boston's problem this year. All right, Brick, I'm going to ask you to be a capologist here just because you mentioned Jimmy Hayes. Um, <laughs> $2.3 million per year for three years, um, probably the worst contract that, that Sweeney ha- has signed thus thus far as a, a Bruins GM. Uh, if you were to buy him out, it's $816,667 against the cap for the next four years. Seidenberg is $4 million against the cap the next two years. If you're to buy him out, it's $1.66 million against the cap for the next four years. Would you explore buying anybody out with this team? Sure, absolutely. You'd be absolutely. okay with having the dead money? I mean, they had the money this year, the dead money with Lucic, obviously, but they figured that would be a one-time thing and they could move on. But you'd, you'd be cool with having some dead money? Yes. Simple answer is yes. And, and my focus, again, uh, I've mentioned it twice already in the conversation, is the blue line. And if I have to eat some money in order to address that, I need to address it this off season and not wait any longer. 
Good stuff, Brick. Awesome. Um, all right, Brick, we appreciate it as always. A very honest, a very knowledgeable, always telling Brick. Uh, thank you for joining us, Brick. Have a, a great morning, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Always great to talk to you guys. All right. Thanks, thanks Brick. Brick. That's Andy Brickley. This is Sunday Skate on WEI.com. Keep calling 617-779-7937. Jay and Peter, we promise you are up next. You need to make a couple of major moves. You've got to address what's going on on the blue line, and that has to be a major move. And you have to adjust the core because they lack leadership. They lack any kind of identity. Uh, they lack physical and mental toughness, and that's got to come from your leadership group. Uh, and I think that's what has to happen. And I know everybody's going to be pointing and focused on the coach, and that's certainly up for debate and arguable. I'm just not a fan of the of the coaching turnover rate in the National Hockey League. This guy's a quality coach. I think if you give him a better roster, uh, he'll reward you with not only playoffs, but, you know, a team that could challenge. Vintage Brick and Vintage Kanye. I don't know what else you could want in your ear holes, but we're going to try to give you a little Sanson Sanson for the next hour and ten minutes. That's right. If you're just tuning in now, this is a three-hour Sunday skate. Three hours. I know we will get to... The Claude discussion. Top of next hour, I promise. We've just got too many callers. Um, yeah, what were you going to say? No, no, go, let's, let's go to the call. Real-life callers, too. We, we have re- Yeah, we haven't lied once. <laughs> Actually, I lied at one point. Um, but uh, who we got? Uh, let's do Jay and Saugus. Jay, thanks for waiting, man. Yes. I have a couple of uh, things that uh, nobody has uh, brought up. I need them. Okay, number one, Sweeney's number one confidant and chief pro scout is John Ferguson, Jr., whose father was a close friend of Harry Sinden, okay? He was the general manager of the Maple Leafs for about four years, and he did a brutal job there, okay? Did not have a good run. Last summer, look at their moves. Jimmy Hayes, Ronaldo, Hamilton, Matt Irwin, a free agent. That's right. Don't forget about Matt Irwin. Campanen, I don't blame him. That was the European scout. The only good move they made was the backup goalie, Gustafson, the Luchik trade, and Matt Bolesky. Number two, this is very important. I was at a Boston College Providence game in January, and I was speaking to a couple of uh, Providence people. They think Lehman's going to the Bruins, either as an assistant coach or the number one coach, because Sweeney loves them. Last summer at the summer camp, he was on the ice for a couple of days. He sure was. With Akari, who signed, and... uh, a kid that was going to be a senior at Providence because they needed guys to fill out the roster, Chris Tainer. Number three, this is the final thing. Cam Neely loved Jim Benning. He would have been the general manager instead of Sweeney if he stayed here. I don't know that that would have been much better. Well, look at all the players he brought in. Jim Benning? It's like... Boychuk, Seidenberg, McQuaid, Ferenc, Recky, Horton, Campbell. Oh, all right. So that guy's name was actually Peter Shirelli, and Cam didn't like him. Yeah. He, what he did is he fired him 
And Benning's been one of the worst GMs in the league. Yeah. Yeah, well, Benning did a good job as for a year. This is what somebody told me about a Benning now, whether it's a false I have. Was this guy, was the guy Cam Neely? You know, you know who Jim Benning's going to hire next? As the coach? Claude Julian. Really? If he can. But, uh, if he, if he, A, if he can still have uh, hiring power. <laughs> you know, John Ferguson's a terrible choice. If that's the guy that's his number one. Look, look Jay, the, the whole operation is effed, right? Whether it's Sweeney, whether it's Neely, whether it's JFJ, it, the, the whole operation is bad. And you should be... You should be willing to give them a little more time right. to, to, but, than to say it's a total disaster. But, but the so moves far, that you pointed out right. are correct. They're bad moves. Right. So I actually I, – uh, and thanks for the call, Jay. I actually um, – And he jo- put Govzison in, 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 right. the, in the good category, so he, which is – So he goofed up. So Pretty generous. Real quick, I made a, kind of a checklist. I guess I'll just post this on WBEI.com after the show of uh, just a quick refresher of moves that Don Sweeney has made and – how many you would say are good versus bad? Because someone on Twitter was saying to me, like, you never mentioned that Sweeney's made way more good moves than bad. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, I guess I don't say that enough. And then I thought about it, and I was like, well, here's why. Good moves. Lucic trade, Martin Jones trade, signing Matt Bolesky, Ryan Spooner's contract. Bad. Handling in the Hamilton trade. Either match or get more picks later. Bad. Spending all three picks in the first round. Bad. Trading a third-round pick for Ronaldo. Bad. Trading Riley Smith for Jimmy Hayes. Horrible. Giving Jimmy Hayes three years at $2.3 million a year. Awful. Signing Matt Irwin. Bad. Ignoring Lee Stempniak. Uh, and then you have the the wash up for debate things. Jonas Kampainen, whatever. That wasn't too harmful. Achari wasn't going to be ready as a first-year pro at that point anyway. Um, handling of Erickson, you can go either way. Um, I, I, don't, I don't crush him for keeping Erickson. Uh, Gustafson wasn't good. It wasn't horrible, but it was better than last year. That's about it. Right. You, you slightly upgraded the backup goaltender position. Although you have to wonder, would Jeremy Smith give you exactly what Jonas Gustafson gave you? I'm assuming he couldn't have been too, too much worse. And the trade for Lyles, I'll, I'll put in as a wash. But again, if you want to get on Sweeney, you could say buying in general was a bad move. So, uh, I would say the bad outweighs the good so far with Don Sweeney. Peter in Arlington, what you got? CJ, how you doing today? I am fair. How are you? Um, hey, I'm hanging in there. I came in off the ledge after uh, you know that game yesterday. I mean, heavy suicide talk so far. You, you, you know, um, you're waiting for me to come up and bash the heck out of Tuga, and what he did yesterday speaks for itself. I mean, that was Game Seven of the Stanley Cup yesterday, and he has a tummy ache. And he is, what, second or third highest stage, fourth? We went over this last week. Tied for fourth, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and we debated about Carey Price and Jonathan Quick. I would love to see if Jonathan Quick doesn't show up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You so. don't get to pick when you get sick. Right, yeah. Come on, he has I, a stomachache. I, I, I had this tweet, and I took it down because it was a little TMI. But uh, are you guys gym goers? Yes. Have you ever gotten sick at the gym? No, but you haven't. No, but going out of both ends at any point in right. time is not an ideal scenario. That is a horrible feel. Like if you're doing any sort of physical activity and you suddenly get violently sick, it is like the ultimate. Get me the hell out of where I am right now. If he was you going know, out of both ends during yesterday's game, does he you give you a better chance saying? of winning than putting Jonas Gustafsson in the net? No. No way. No way. No way. You put him in because you know why? 
He's on the contract, and I own him. He's going to play whether he likes it or not. He can come off the ice. We can put a bucket on top of the net. He can go and crap every time the snow people come out and sneak to the ice. He's flying. Would we have been commending him if he went in there and he was sweating and really gross and And cute and sucked? And you were like, oh, well, he didn't ask to come out of the game, so he's a gamer. I mean, they missed the playoffs, but, I mean, at least he didn't ask to come out of the game. If he was plays the first period, gives up like four goals in the first period right off the bat, and they fall behind, everybody would be blaming him for putting himself in the net. after the game, they'll say, oh, well, he was really sick and he was sweaty and everything. And then everyone's saying... Well, well, don't get who's in the watching net. You're, him. You're hurting right. the team. Exactly. I love this. I love this excuse makers for Tuka Rask. How is it excuse? I'm, so again, this is how these labels come out that that we're homers and that we're defending Tuka Rask and everything. I didn't I, tell you to just completely bash Tuka Rask today because did that because you know my feeling of it. He's, he's he's killed that team. He's way overpaid. Here it is. Time for him to play for an uh, an above average to, to very good goalie to play in the biggest game of the year, and he's got he's got he's got a tummy ache. Fine. Again, if you don't know how sick he is, it's tough to just call it a tummy ache. I know. Again, I know I sound like a weenie because I'm defending him, but I just can't get on him for if he was violently ill. I I can't get on him for that. Well, I can't because he shouldn't be here in the first place. But you stuck with him for what five? Or six There's a casual years? European like. Oh, it, it, it's ridiculous how much they still owe him, and he's killed. He's killed the team. Uh, the, the few calls that you've had before, even Brick. Look at the garbage that they've brought in. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, people want to say what they want about Lucic. He lost a step or whatever. He did nothing more than a draft pick for him that you're not going to see three or four years down the road. Do you think that Lucic was this massive, massive gamer? Because I think that that's a misconception. I don't know. You know, he, he was he, – uh, it depended. He was another guy. It seemed like he turned the switch on when he felt like playing, he played. Right, he yeah. Feel like playing. But I'm getting that same impression lately. One guy I lived and died for and love is David Crazy. And lately, I've been getting that impression from him, too. That's, you know, a, that's, the, guy that I, that's the guy that I said. If, if – you're going to cut a core piece of the team loose for leadership purposes, I think you need to get rid of David Krejci. And I also think that he's a piece that helps you get defense in, the, in return. I, I, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I agree. Because St. Louis, that St. Louis game, he played amazing. You know, in Detroit, did you see the plays he was making against Detroit the other night? Amazing. And then you get something like uh, the, the Carolina game or yesterday. Awful. Like, where was David Krejci yesterday? Like, uh, invisible. Yeah. He I mean, he, he's always that. been prone to, to – Massive, massive uh, peaks and valleys, which for a player of that much money, I understand that that's, that, that's worth getting on. Um, I think David Krejci is a fantastic player. I know we're going to find out that, that he's hurt. Someone's going to have it. I'm, I'm surprised that you, this is usually the story that like you get, Joe. I'm oh, I tried. That, really? <laughs> I tried yesterday, and I was more focused on on you know, on know Tuca, on, on exactly what was wrong with, with Rask and why he wasn't out there. But you know, in regards to David Krejci is – I covered him in his first year when he he came and uh, they had him in Providence, and all I kept hearing about was David Krejci. Wait till you see this kid play, and I watched him for an entire season, and I just kept shaking my head like, really, what are they what are they seeing this kid? Mm. And then all of a sudden the playoffs started, and he was by far the best player on the ice. And I believe, if my memory serves correctly, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals that year. Uh, P. Bruins did. And David, without a doubt, was the best player on the, on the ice in the league. I mean, he was phenomenal. And we've seen that throughout his career in the NHL, that when he wants to be at his best, there's no one better on the ice. And even two years ago, when he was, when he was hurt you know, in the playoffs and he wasn't uh, putting up the points, everybody was pointing, oh, he's going to produce more. Well, his two-way game two years ago, right? Because we've talked about this. Yeah. His two-way game was unbelievable. He was still one of the better players on the ice. Just oh, yeah. because he wasn't putting the points, 
you know, uh, everybody was criticizing him. Well, then we find out he, that he was hurt. And uh, you're talking about in 2014-15? Yes. Yeah, he was marking uh, Datsuk, wasn't he? Correct. When he serves, it was either right. him or Zetterberg. Yeah, and look, again, David I, Krejci brings a lot of things to the table. I understand getting on him for, for making $7 million plus a year and not being as consistent as he is. I will say this, though. Again, when you get into the why were the Bruins even in the playoff discussion, he was so far ridiculously above everything that he's supposed to be in the first, what, 10 to 15 games of the mm-hmm. season. If not for Erickson and and David Krejci early in the season, this may have been ugly. I know, I know that uh, they had the 0-3-0 start to the season or whatever, but reasons they recovered from that is because David Krejci carried the team. At times, Patrice Bergeron carried the team. At times, Brad Marchand carried the team, and it gets to Pete's argument with Fred from New Hampshire. That, to me, doesn't say the stars are the problem. You'd like David Krejci to be way more consistent, but it says to me that there's not enough underneath that. So. There was there was uh, Krejci during uh, training camp this year when we spoke with him. You remember what his goal was? Remember what he said? He said to, he said to us, I want to play all 82 games. Right. Because he's been dealing with injuries the last couple of years, and his goal coming into the season was he wanted to be healthy and play as many games as possible. All right, we've hit on a lot of things, but the 9 o'clock hour is the Claude hour. We're getting to Dan Shaughnessy's column. Uh, Any of your thoughts on Claude Julien, whether he should stay, whether he should go, um, takes of any kind. We do takes here on Sunday Skate, so give us a call, 617-779-7937.